Hey everybody, uh, we are Jack Allison, Jonathan Neil Brown, and Leslie Lee III, and this is Struggle Session. even comic books anymore because comic books are really just a ip farm for hollywood now right this these are like these are pitches basically this is like a a pitch document that you put together to maybe get watered down into a film i mean mark miller is at this point he's really made like a whole industry out of this this is kind of a thing that's I've been thinking about for a while now with the whole resurgence of nerd culture, which has brought about, you know, this new wave of comic book superhero movies and has also aligned with corporate interests as well as kind of liberal social justice um, Mm -hmm. issues. And it kind of all combined to basically push forward superheroes as this aspirational thing like this mm. you know unquestioned good like superhero the superhero concept like wonder woman is probably the prime example like people are losing their minds for this movie because it's apparently the first female superhero ever and they're acting at least that's how it's being marketed and they're saying like wonder woman is so inspirational to all women and it's so you know great and women are crying in the theaters when you um, actually watch the movie, though, it's actually about this um, ultra-powered um, superwoman who cannot be hurt beating some German grunts to death in World War One. Which, by the way, <laughs> is a bad was one of the bad wars. Like it, it was not a good war. It was not. I bet ninety percent of the people walking into that theater thought it was going to be about World War Two and her fighting the Nazis, but it, it wasn't. It was yeah, about. It's just a little grayer there. It's a little, it's a little uh, uh, grayer what she's fighting for. Yeah, it was very weird, you know, seeing Wonder Woman talking about the power of love before stabbing a bunch of teenagers with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and, it, and it's so great because at the end of the movie, they act, the Ger- most of the Germans are masks or in helmets, so you don't see their face. But at the end, after she's killed a bunch of them, they do take their masks off, and they are literally teenagers. They're boys. <laughs> like, you're supposed to feel, like, good about this, like, now that she's killed, all, murdered all their friends for almost no reason whatsoever that, you know, now she realizes, oh, they were just kids. Oh, ha, 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 ha. The whole thing was like the the bad guy, Ares, the god of war, was trying to end the war, which didn't actually make sense. Like, I if think you, it was if you, like he was trying to end it so that it would like go longer or something like that. I don't know. You're right. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I, and I do think it was really the Treaty weird. of Versailles. Well, the Treaty of Versailles was fucking awful because it was it was Europe and the rest of the Western world punishing Germany so hard and pushing them into economic austerity to the point that their society collapsed and Hitler rose to power over the next 20 years. Yeah. So it wasn't it's good, not folks. something... <laughs> it was a bad deal, folks. It was a bad deal. <laughs> it was a bad deal in the end. Uh, um, I, I do think it's funny. It's also like so many fucking people died in World War One. Like truly, like it was just an insane amount of people dying. And Wonder Woman, what, saved like... Like a town of like six hundred people or something like that's like the whole middle of the movie is about her saving like this very tiny town. 
and then they and then they all die about uh, ten minutes later. <laughs> yeah, it's still all. That's like such a long sequence of that movie is her like saving these people in Europe that just die. Uh, so Wonder Woman and Captain Kirk find they find a a Turkish Muslim ally and they find a native american ally and they all <laughs> happen to be on the same page <laughs> yeah a, a wonder woman assembles a mcdonald's commercial uh, <laughs> and, and they go off to stop world war one i don't um, i don't i don't like that inclusiveness now means like just one person of every race standing together i think that's so tacky and, and it uh, it's one of the things that drives me crazy like it's uh, like they did the same thing in captain america you see this on a lot of stuff like woke period stuff like you know black people were not treated as equals or humans i don't care how woke captain america was <laughs> that was not going to happen like that's why i, I kind of like penny dreadful because they have a black guy as part of the team on the show and he's the servant he's the man yeah. servant like their relation, his relationship with you know the main characters is more complicated than that. But it's, but for what other people in that world know, he's just a manservant, and right. that's how it would be. And I prefer that type of representation to like a phony, like you know, right. corporate safe, you know, yeah. aspirational representation of black people who actually were not allowed to be. You know, right. like, it's, not, it's not. It's not ultimately like helpful i think to like to sanitize the past in that way like it's actually no, better for us to toxic. like bear witness to this kind of shit rather than to be like you know what uh actually the founding fathers were like puerto rican guys or whatever <laughs> if you see uh i don't know if you guys saw the remake of the beguiled the sofia coppola movie um, but there's basically the, it's, it, it's a, the 70s movie with Clint Eastwood. It, it's, you know, it's about a union soldier that, you know, wakes up on a southern plantation and all these bitter, angry women ended up, you know, he, he manipulates them and he gets them to all fight each other. But there's a character in the 70s version and, and, and a slave and she's treated like shit by all the other white women. Oh. And because Sofia Coppola wanted to make the remake more of a feminist narrative, she got uh, rid of him. Wow. She had the, there's just no black people in the movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I, 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 I don't really, yeah, I feel that so much of today's liberalism seems to not just be about, you know, uh, looking back at the fucked up shit we did as a society, but just pretending it didn't happen at all. That's why yes. in the new, the new call of duty, world war two, you can play as a black woman, German soldier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, uh, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. It's this thing of like, you know, and it does feel like kind of Sorkin-y to me, like where it's like we put these fictional characters in situations and then they just like hindsight is twenty twenty, say the like perfect thing. Um, and then we're like we like applaud them for being heroes when they say, you know, it, it's like, you know, this is like a pre-scripted thing. Like that wasn't actually a brave. You know, Captain America is not real. Well, yeah, I've always noticed that whenever right wing people in America are in, are in power, like the, the the modus operandi of pop culture is, you know, hip cynicism and ironic detachment. But when you have like centrists or liberals in power, then all of a sudden you just ratchet up the optimism, ratchet up the the inspirational, uh, borderline fraudulent, you know, yeah. sense of togetherness that that's not there. I mean, how many times in Marvel comics? I, I swear to God, it was like 
every month Obama was in a Marvel comic while he yeah. was in office. Is that oh, not true? Like it was like every month it would either be like we'd see the back of his head or like he'd be like working with Spider-Man or something like. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, remember that, that's a very uh, I thought that was a little strange. <laughs> that was a yeah, little strange. It made these books feel like an episode of Parks and Rec or something. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about like I like that idea that you're saying about like the sort of cynicism versus optimism. So yeah, yeah, I think uh, Watchmen is a good place to start because that also featured a, a living American president. Uh, well, he wasn't president at the time, but he became in the Watchmen universe. He became president for life, Richard Nixon. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, and, yeah. And and the what I just noticed, I actually watch, just got done watching you know the Watchmen film uh, again, okay. which is. Not a good movie, but because it, you know, tries to just replicate every moment from yes. the comic that it can, and it just doesn't really work as a film. But one of the things I kind of noticed is that the what made their timeline so different and so much worse uh, up until the point they destroy New York is that superheroes existed. Like, their very existence right. changed our world into a much more totalitarian and fascist state and like that's a brilliant like solo move from alan moore like all it would take is not even mo like superpowers just a few mm -hmm. symbolic people who uh represent this uh idea of you know this good fighting for good truth justice in the american way if those people actually existed the government would have a, a be a lot more you know totalitarian it would have a lot more control over uh average people Imp their imperialism would be more successful like mm. they win the vietnam war in two weeks like <laughs> uh, and president nixon was basically made president for life because he had superheroes at his disposal because a superhero is nothing but basically when you think about it, a super cop that's how the superheroes and watchmen start they said hey we, we, it just all started because you know gangs robbers were wearing masks so some of his cops decided to wear masks and people ate it up they loved yeah. it they loved the good guys uh taking down the bad guys and dressing up like heroes in the bright colors and it's and it's even more appealing than you know a cop doing it and so oh, I, yeah I, I kind of maintain i mean i said this a little bit earlier but like so with all that said i think we'd be better in a better position as a world right now if nixon was president for life and new york was destroyed by a giant alien monster <laughs> <laughs> the mission creep of, of the superheroes in the comics is really interesting too and in the movies like it used to be you in, in a lot of the alan moore and, and then even in you know in mark miller's the ultimates 15 years ago which feels crazy that it was so long ago yeah. that when a superhero went nation building or would fly to another country it was seen as uh an overreach as mission creep and mm -hmm. now in so many superhero movies, they're just flying around the whole world doing whatever the fuck they want uh, without any, you know, without any consideration for the people who live in those countries. And it's just not a big deal. I mean, even in, in Civil War, like Iron Man and Captain America basically blow up an African nation and nobody gives a shit. I mean, it Avengers 2 and Civil War are just like insane. The Avengers are like bad. Like, Straight up. like they, they are actually like evil. Uh, uh, the, the biggest danger that the earth faces are these like rich guys who decided to like start blowing up cities. Yeah, and, and because Disney won't allow that kind of, you know, the themes of, of, of or the implicate, you know, what are the repercussions? What are the implications of having, you know, people who are, 
gods doing whatever the hell they want on behalf of the powers that be. It's it's uh it's funny because I feel like they sort of are willing to ask that question, but just never address it in any substantive way. Like they'll like in the first act of an Avengers movie, be like, you guys like killed all these people. Like, do we, do we really need an Avengers? And then the movie answers that question with yes, because like a robot attacks. Right. And Gary, yeah. And any, and anybody who asks those questions is seen as like an O for a bad guy. Like Gary Shandling's like, why are you guys doing all that? Oh well, actually, I'm a Hydra agent. Never mind. Like- yeah, exactly. It's like it's like they ask the question, and then it's like, well, I guess the answer is no because the guy who asked the question was a villain. So I guess just that that's not an appropriate question to ask. Like, and this kind of started with like the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, I, I feel like like that's strange because like the second movie, especially like Batman performs a rendition. Batman uses <laughs> um, mass surveillance, and. Yeah. I don't think Nolan really comes out hard against, but he at least puts forth the argument kind of against that. Like, like when, you know, Lucius Fox, you know, says, I'm going to quit if you keep doing this. And Batman says, okay, I'm only going to use it just this one time, right? That one time is still bad. And that allows mission creep to happen. But at least Nolan, like, addresses those questions semi-seriously, right? But by, right. But by Avengers now, like none of it matters. Like they're blowing up foreign countries, and the Hulk is killing, you know, thousands of Africans. And the only thing you worry about after that scene is, will the Hulk get in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> will he get in trouble before he gets to sleep with Scarlett Johansson? Like that's the only <laughs> main question you have. There's also yeah. like a real sort of like like I think unpalatable quippiness to these movies because it is like these insane serious things like people are dying and then they go back and they're like uh, it looks like the Hulk woke up on the wrong side of the bed today uh. <laughs> there's always there's I think always Marvel movies are a little ashamed of that they're superhero movies I think that's why they want to throw in all this sort of like quippiness uh, is to sort of create like a little bit of detachment because I think the guys like making these movies ultimately are like but we're cool, guys. We get it. This is, you know, stupid. It's superhero shit. Well, that's why That's why whenever, like, a superhero says his name for the first time, you always have some side character going, oh, really? That's what you're calling yourself. It's um, like, yes. Uh, Wonder Man? <laughs> that's a thing? Uh, okay. I guess we're going with Wonder Man. All right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I feel like there is one kind of exception to this, and it's always been an exception in the comics, and that's the X-Men. Because the yeah. X-Men aren't don't really act like, you know, cops they're usually event against uh working against the government and they mostly fight other mutants right like they kind of do their own little superhero battles that basically leave out most of the rest of humanity and that kind of makes it less creepy like less terrifying yeah like you, you might get caught in like a magneto blast wave but like he's not usually usually out to you know you know, rule the planet, you know, every once in a while he does, but for the most part, like, but like the hellfire club, they're not like trying to rule the planet or Mr. Sinister. He's just trying to, you know, make better mutants for whatever fucking reason. Right. Let me me try to think this out. I think that I want to say that the X-Men or mutants in general are like the left and radicals and they're all infighting with each other. And then the inhumans are centrists. Uh, uh, we have to like the inhumans because it's the most pragmatic option. It makes the most sense for Marvel. So now it's time for everyone to fall in line and start reading and liking the inhumans. I'm with Medusa. <laughs> oh my God. 
Well, I think I think the you know if you think about it, Black Bolt is the Mark Zuckerberg of the Marvel universe. Yeah, you don't want to hear him speak. You certainly don't want to hear him speak. Like it makes a lot of sense, but uh, as soon as he opens his mouth, uh, <laughs> it fucks you up a little bit. It's 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 bizarre to me. Like X Men, just because you know the, the the whole piss fight between Fox and Marvel. Right. Will, will never be integrated into that, you know, the, their cinematic universe or whatever. But that means that essentially they don't have stories about heroes that are underdogs because the, they're the only heroes in Marvel comics that are not just fighting. Well, I mean, there's also there's also Spider Man, but well, that's true. But this new Spider Man Homecoming, like I don't like. Okay, in in Civil War. Okay, what Spider what makes Spider Man Spider Man is not that he's best friends with like a billionaire. No, he's it's like that. He's a teenager, kind of struggling to get by, and like he's like the average guy as a superhero. This is like we. It's like if like if it's like it's like if I knew Elon Musk. Like that's the most notable thing about me at that point. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, yeah. Like like the thing about Spider Man. Like it was kind. You know, it's really funny. Like superheroes as fascists isn't a new thing. And actually, the guy who started the Comics Code, who himself was a fascist, actually, you know, questions one of the things he didn't like about superhero comics was that they were about these ubermensch who could just you know dispense justice based on their own morality and he thought that was uh too fascist so in the reaction to that eventually you got the more tortured marvel superheroes who being a hero was a struggle for them they didn't know always know the right thing to do they and being a superhero never made their life better and that's kind of what spider-man is like represents that was the right. thing that made him him he was he was not sure about what to do he was always conflicted and torn so he never got to be even though he had these powers he was never above the average teenager because he was really no better he was a little bit smarter but that's about it yeah he just I mean, wanted to get laid and pay his aunt's rent i mean it's <laughs> i mean it's interesting that like this whole avengers thing is happening around the avengers because let's not forget like 15 years ago, like the reason why Marvel had the rights to these characters is because they were like the wackest characters in yeah. Marvel comics. Like the, like there's a reason why these people are like, why these movies are kind of like boring uh, uh, and, you know, sort of these just like quip fests is because these characters are not that good. Like Hulk is a good character, but they already were making movies about him. Like Captain America, Iron Man is not a great character. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I, the, the only thing that's good about Iron Man is that he's an alcoholic. Yeah, exactly. Like, like and then he's not a fucking alcoholic in the movies. Yeah, they like took out like <laughs> the only interesting thing about him. On Captain America, which what I've liked about Captain America in the comics is, well, I like I like Mark Miller's authoritarian Cap because I feel like he's more representative of of how Captain America actually would be. Yeah, but I do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I do like I do like also like idealistic. I liked Ed Brubaker's run a lot. I thought what he did with Cap and the yeah. Winter Soldier was super interesting. I like that. I think and, that Captain uh, America should reflect whatever modern day America is. And so I think right now we should have like a big fat stupid Captain America. Well, right? He's a not he's a Nazi right now. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, yeah. <laughs> thanks to Nick Spencer, which uh, he's an interesting guy too. Oh, if I. What what they see like Nick Spencer's version of Captain America actually makes sense if you subscribe to a centrist kind of neoliberal worldview because it's the idea that old white people are evil and the solution is someone young, hip and black or young, hip woman or just anything that's young and not white as opposed to looking at the fact that, well, actually, 
America's economy is is destroying people, and so people's ideologies are calcifying, and and people are escaping into into what makes them comfortable, and that's their you know identity groups, or that's their you, you know you got you got white supremacy on the rise, and you also have uh, like this bizarre I don't even know what to call like the neoliberal ideology about race. It's very it's borderline neo segregationist. It's I, all I about it's separating small. people. It's 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 a little bit like offensive, actually. It's about like kind of trying to trying to mislead people into thinking like you know a, a class has nothing to do with anything. And yeah, it's it's, it's completely class reductive. Yeah, um, like it's it's not segregationist because everyone can is allowed to get in as long as you subscribe to the corporate bylines. Basically, right. it's like right. capitalism is good. We won't talk about class. We will talk about race, but only in certain ways, completely divorced from economics. We will talk about sexism, but only in ways um, de uh, devoid of any real economic um, analysis. Unless you're a CEO. You know, yeah. Right, yeah. The, yeah, the, or, or the, the, the wage gap. We'll talk about the wage gap of Hollywood actresses, but not right. you know the fact that even if you fix the wage gap for poor people, they'll uh -oh. still be poor. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing that I could not care about less is getting any CEO in the world pay, paid more. I no. don't care about any CEO getting more money ever. Ever. That's why it's like you got fearless girl in the next to the Wall Street ball, and you, we're supposed to we're supposed to be inspired by you know the State Street hedge fund for putting up this piece of art when all they're doing is just saying we need more women kicking minorities out of their houses it doesn't make fucking sense i really love it i love this like like a hedge fund bought like a fake banksy and totally tricked everyone <laughs> like it like completely worked it's so funny how well it worked this little trick yeah, of theirs and to bring it together they put a wonder woman tiara on her uh, uh, this, this movie this terrible terrible movie that's made you know <laughs> Has been successful. Like I, and I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it away from women who generally enjoy it. But it's like you have to. You have to enjoy these things. Like I enjoy like these superhero movies. A lot of them. Like I, sure. and but you have to enjoy them on the level of entertainment. You can't. Yeah. You can't take their political messages to heart because they're all pretty terrible. Like you I have to. Yeah, it's like a pretty ugly thing. And I think like marketers are well aware of it. Is like this new idea of making your movie into some kind of a political cause. Like it happened with Ghostbusters. It happened with Wonder Woman. And it kind of just makes these movies less palatable to me overall. Like I, I was going to say, I didn't mind the, I didn't, I don't mind the Wonder Woman movie. I think that it's, uh, definitely a good chapter in the Batman versus Superman Dawn of justice saga. Um, but you know, for me, I, I, I ended up feeling like, I, I don't want to have to go into a movie and be like this. People like cried about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did they? Did any of them notice Steve Mnuchin's name in the credits? <laughs> well, what part were people crying at? Is my big yes. question. Like, it was. The, it was. There, it was. It was the no man land scene, right? Yeah. Which was a good scene. Like I, I would, I would say yeah. the best things about it are the first two action scenes. They're really like above They're average. Cool. They're really, really great. But like people are acting like this is the first time you've seen a badass superhero woman. But like. Underworld had its fifth movie this year. Resident yeah. Evil had its sixth movie this year, and all so of those are like popular movies. Like they get big yeah, franchises. Like, but they just haven't been marketed in a way that lines up with this neoliberal 
conception of feminism. They're just women being badass and leading these highly successful franchises, but those franchises have stood on the merits of them more as film and, right. you know, as, as pop culture phenomena in their own right, instead of trying to tie it to the larger project of feminism without actually... But Wonder Woman doesn't actually earn that, right? It doesn't no. deserve. To, there's nothing. There's nothing in the film. Feminism does not deserve to be. There's not anything know. in the film that's explicitly We're just three dudes. Feminist, We're three dudes. We're not allowed to to have a, a no. say. <laughs> I know. I know. I know we, we we are not. But I will say that my wife was so excited for this movie. She was walking around the house singing a little theme song <laughs> and like clasping her hands together like Wonder Woman. And I have never seen her more disgusted with a movie. <laughs> she was so angry. And my wife is not a leftist. It wasn't the politics that got her. It was just the craft. Like, it was right. a bad movie. It was a bad script. Gal Gadot cannot act. Um, <laughs> she, she did, she she did fine. like Morat. <laughs> yeah. She did fine in Batman Superman because she didn't have to carry that movie. And she was mysterious. And she was actually pretty good in it. But having her having to explain and there's so much explanation in this. There's so much explanation in this. And she has to carry it, and it just does not work. All There, there are a lot of good actors in this movie, but the script is so bad. And the, and especially the Amazons, they're all wearing those really bad tiaras, which is fine <laughs> if you shoot it right. But when you have these, you know, great, like Robin White Pan, and I forget the name of the other one, but she's great too. And they're saying they're having a the conversation, and they look completely ridiculous because, like, the camera is just there and not hiding the stupid, like, plastic crown that they're wearing. And the like, movie reminded me a lot not... of Thor. Yeah, it has a lot of Thor going on in there. Uh, a lot of not like, a good sort movie of like, either. A lot of like bad no. Game of Thrones conversation sequences too. Like that was reminding th those scenes were reminding me a lot of like when they just talk in a garden on Game of Thrones for like 10 minutes. Well, I don't know. Guys, like, like, I, I, I thought Wonder Woman was fine. I, you know, I ultimately, uh, I guess, stand with women more than you guys do. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and for me personally, I, I almost am getting misty-eyed right now just thinking about when Wonder Woman stabbed her sword into Ares and he like turned into a tornado. It's actually... The tears always thing. come when I think about that moment. Uh, My boyfriend is dead. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he Gal crashed. And, you know, I don't want to... I, I do think Gal Gadot is a feminist icon, this uh, woman who's uh, married to an Israeli uh, hotel magnate who met him at a party in the desert, which sounded, <laughs> to me, suspiciously like the party where you go to buy a wife. Uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm i not... Uh, uh, I don't know that for sure. Um I do find uh -huh. her very inspiring, and uh, yes, yes, gal, as I guess what I, <laughs> what I want to close out with saying. Well, it's like you've, you've got all these corporations that like know that what they're selling isn't new, right? So they have to rebrand right. it as new. I mean, you saw it in comedy. You see it a lot with like Amy Schumer being the first ever woman in comedy. You see I it know. as Lena She's Dunham being serious. the first ever you know director who has her own TV show. But the, in the process, you're actually erasing like 70 years of history of women in comedy, women in art, women in film, women in comics. It's like by pretending that all of this is new, you're really disrespecting so many people. I mean, in the world of comedy, it's like people pretend that like Phyllis Diller and Elaine May and, 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 and like women who have been making people laugh forever, even like Roseanne Barr and Sandra Bernhardt, like just did nothing. Like, but, for that, me, but for me, I say I vote with my dollars. And so – 
you know, I'm not going to leave the house and spend money on something that's not also a form of activism, you know? So like, you know, I, I go to see the Wonder Woman movie because to me that feels like I donated $20 to Planned Parenthood. Uh, I think it's like sort of on that same level. Uh, uh, I'm not going to buy, you know, I'm not going to have a soda unless it's like for pride, for example. With your you know wallet. I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And that's, you know, really the the most choice. That's the most pernicious part. Like this massive corporation, mostly owned by people who aren't women and aren't, or who aren't black, who aren't woke, is making all this money off of basically play acting the struggle. It's ultimately, you know, know, I don't know who it is at 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 Warner, but it's Ike Perlmutter on the uh, on the the Marvel side. Like you're just handing over money to Ike Perlmutter, who a notorious uh, a notorious sketchy guy. Like yeah, like uh, uh, like hangs out at Mar-a-Lago. Like will not be photographed. Like something crazy. Like I I wonder how many gallons of blood Ike Perlmutter drinks in a year. That's my big question. It's him, Jeffrey Epstein, and (laughs) Steve Mnuchin. They have a drum circle. The drums are made of children's ears. Batman, Joker just put me on acid. You want to wait like a maverick, we need to make something happen. Batman, 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 please put me on new fashion. I ain't learned nothing since last year, you got the renegade fabrics. Batman, 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 please put me up in the test. I'm trying to be hella extra, please hand me down any sweatshirt. Batman, 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 heard that you ain't got a mattress. Heard that you king of Manhattan, so I was staying in the bashes. Batman, 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 we need to settle the scores. You know, Alan Moore, I feel like, is part of the reason why he's so much better than Frank Miller is is that his storytelling isn't just like, I'm just going to take this thing, disassemble it, and then just go. Like, there's actually a cohesive message. And, like, I think the more and more you read Frank Miller, especially today you read Sin City, you read Dark Knight Returns, you read Holy Terror, which is just, like, one of the most racist pieces of shit on the planet. Sure. You realize, and even 300, you realize that this dude actually fetishizes the violence that he's portraying. He's not ever deconstructing any of it. It was read, never a deconstruction. Did you guys read Holy Terror? Yeah. You did. Is it like, so what is it? Is it like Batman like pisses on Osama bin Laden or something? Like what, what is Holy Terror? It's supposed to that's be. Bas- that's, ba- that's basically it. It was originally supposed to be a Batman comic where he, Frank Miller basically said, like if Batman were real, the people he would be fighting is Al-Qaeda. Like, and so, but DC didn't want to really do it. So he just made, you know, a fake Batman who goes around the and fixer. Well, no, but uh, DC originally yeah. was going to do it, right? It was called Holy Terror Batman. And yeah. then they like saw it and they were like, uh, maybe not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were giving Miller the benefit of the doubt for sure. But I'm sure after, you know, you see enough fucking cartoon dudes with, you know, turbans on with machine guns and it, it just, I'm guessing I mean, they couldn't like, stomach it. It's <laughs> kind of like, uh, you know, if you look at superheroes as kind of being this, you know, avatar of like where we are as a, a as a nation at any given time, like these sort of, you know, Greek myths of our uh, uh, civilization, then honestly, like a rich guy going to the Middle East to just indiscriminately beat the fuck out of Arab people is actually pretty apt. Well, that's the, 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 the fascinating thing about Frank Miller as this, you know, conservative evangelist is that, 
what he's doing is very much on this natural path. You know, the, the valorization of, of dying uh, and getting murdered and killing as many people possible that's in 300. The, yeah. the, the fetishization of, oh, there's so much. Like, read The Dark Knight Returns again, and half of it is, you know, this, you know, this deconstruction of a totalitarian government, but the other half is just straight-up death wish. It's just Batman. <laughs> yeah. It's just Batman murdering a ton of, like, scumbags who probably live in the streets. <laughs> yeah, that is the funny thing is it's like Batman versus, like, a poor gang. It's like Batman comes out of retirement to, like, beat up one last crew of, like, poor people. Well, and that's and, and, and that's the, the the funny thing because like if you like I that was like my first favorite comic as a kid and if you take it like in that era like it was very much in line with that Death Wish kind of movie that I that concept of New York as hell right. on earth and all regular people can do is try to fight and survive and in that very like that you know, context you don't realize that Frank Miller is actually himself a fucking fascist. Yeah. If we had someone to come kick in the faces of all these like people that were panhandling. <laughs> I, yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 it presents itself as kind of like a RoboCop esque, like, yeah. you know, farce. But then you realize like later on, it took decades to, for this to happen. It's like, he really believes it. Like, right. He's not just being over the top and cynical and comedic. He actually thinks that no, it, it would actually be good if Batman, you know, spent his time, you right. know, torturing people. Yeah, I mean, right. think about think about uh, the most famous moment in Three Hundred. It's when an emissary uh, of the Persians <laughs> who just says, "I'm just the messenger. I'm here to tell you it's going to be really bad," yeah. and then the Spartans. Kick him into a pit of doom. <laughs> He's not gonna hurt anybody. He's a messenger, yeah. and that's like that's the coolest like part. <laughs> a scrawny, a scrawny slave gets killed. No, <laughs> how badass is that? Yeah, and, and, and again, like the context when Three Hundred came out was like, okay, this is based on you know the real histories. This is yeah. straight from the stuff. We didn't realize that. Uh, Frank Miller liked all that shit. Like he didn't right. see it as himself just preparing, uh, portraying this kind of backwards nihilistic world. It's like, no, this is actually how we should live today. Yeah. He like thinks it's cool. He thinks it like, like it would be better, you know, if if a rich person would like suit up in in like you know military boots and go kick the shit out of homeless people. That's what the, that's the world Frank Miller would rather live in. Yeah, it's very it's very interesting the way we've almost tried to interpret all of these things we loved as a kid to fit our worldview when they they just don't like they don't like we don't we don't see eye to eye with Frank Miller. We can like these comic right. books, we can enjoy them for the pieces of pulp that they are, but like you know, read Sin City again, or, or even just watch the Rodriguez yeah. movie. Like it's pretty monstrous stuff, and yeah, I mean, it's like fine in the sense that like any of these sort of like grindhouse movies are fine but it's not you know there's nothing deeper going on there you know what yeah. i mean like there's not like sin city's cool and it uses a cool art style and stuff but like it's it's not like great art or anything i mean poptimism really sucks in that regard because it yeah. really feels like we spent the last 10 years pretending that like 
all of the really dumb shit we liked was something more like, oh, hey, if you like Taylor Swift, it's actually because you're a strong, independent woman. If you like <laughs> if you like the Punisher, like, yeah, like John Bernthal was doing an interview about uh, his role as the Punisher on Daredevil season two. And he said, you know, I really dedicate my performance as the Punisher to all the men and women in the police and the military. Cool. But wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> Wait a fucking second. Like, if you're a cop or if you're a soldier and you identify with Frank Castle, like, you need, you need to be dishonorably discharged I just hope all, now. I, hope, I just hope that all the cops out there are watching uh, and some of them will be inspired to uh, do street justice uh, just in the same way that Frank Castle himself does. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, like, just to give props to another writer who gets it right, like Alan Moore does, Garth Innes, yeah. When he wrote the Punisher uh, Born. So the basic origin of the Punisher is that his family gets killed by these mobsters and that kind of drives him to become, you know, this murderous, yeah. vengeful sociopath. But Garth Ennis basically says, no, he became this when he was in the war, when he was yeah. in the Vietnam right. War. He was always, you know, this evil, murderous piece of shit from the day he was born. That's why right. it's called Born, right? So, like... Some comic writers get this. A lot of comic writers get this because they're actually smart. But then Hollywood takes all this stuff and does not understand it at all. Like Civil War is the prime example of this. The premise of the comic book Civil War is that like it really is the government attempting to you know take all the superhumans, bring them under their control, so that they can use them to you know do the Watchmen thing and basically right. create this world. And the other half of the superheroes is like, no, fuck that. Like Captain America, Captain America is like, no, you shouldn't have the right to know a registry to know who we are. In the movie version, like it becomes just like the soap opera drama of like Captain America is fighting for his buddy who uh, murdered Iron Man's parents. Yeah. Yeah. Basically that Baron Zemo wants a videotape and uh, Captain America wants to stop him from getting the videotape is what it ends up being. Yeah. It it really like, you know, it's interesting because the comic comic of civil war, like has very little nuance and like Mark Miller is not a very smart guy. Um, But the movie takes what little nuance is there and just completely gets rid of it. For just right. a traditional action story. Well, and it's it's fucked up because it also Civil War took a giant shit on the Winter Soldier as a film too. Because yeah. uh, you know, they really tried to the Russo brothers when they made the second one, you got the sense that they like were trying to do the three days of the Condor thing. I mean, we got Robert Redford as the bad guy, and he's not a supervillain, he's just a suit. We've got Shield being taken over by Hydra. We've got all these kind of interesting political machinations, which by the way. Is interesting because these movies are all sort of like they're like replicants. They're like we're right. making a political thriller without the politics. We're making a John Hughes movie without the sex. We're making right. we're making these sort of these these. We're clones. doing Tarantino. We're doing Tarantino in space. Right. But way, with- did you guys say that James Gunn said that he thought if Star Wars is Godfather, then Guardians of the Galaxy is Goodfellas? What oh does that God. even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? No. Nothing. It just uh, eventually the references just don't make sense anymore. Eventually <laughs> we're just surrounded by so much references that it's like I, I, everything. It, it doesn't It doesn't make sense because we don't have the oracle of our time, Devin Faraci. Yeah. <laughs> and if only Devin was. And that's partially your fault. 
It's my Devin, fault. We forgive <laughs> it's partly your fault, JDB. It's my fault for getting into fights with him online instead of just going across the hall and knocking on his door and going, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Marvel got in trouble a few months ago because they had one of their editors basically say, look, uh, race swapping and gender swapping and diverse characters don't sell. And we all know that's bullshit, but we're also seeing Marvel do a lot of really dumb stuff. Like, they, they nailed it with, you know, Miles Morales and Kamala Khan, but then it's all of a sudden Iceman is gay. And you have, like, uh, a Latina trans hero who actually has been involved in the Marvel Universe for 70 years and we never knew it. And <laughs> Hellcat's wearing an Ask Me About My Feminist Agenda shirt. And it's like, what, what the fuck's going on here? Oh, and the Hulk is Amadeus Cho, who's, like, a really interesting character, but now he's been reduced to Asian-American Hulk. And... and why that? He literally says this in the comic. He says, as an Asian-American, I find this uh, internment <laughs> cap for inhumans, you know, deeply disturbing. Mm -hmm. But because I'm in a stupid fucking comic book. I thought it was. <laughs> like, they don't really care about inclusiveness. They don't really care about diversity, I think. I think they're just doing this as a, like, way to grab headlines uh, and workshop something for an upcoming uh, Infinity Gauntlet film. Well, I think that's part of it, too. Like, all these actors are going to retire from their roles, and then they're fucked. So they've got to start generating new heroes fast. Right. I think if – I, I actually don't think that's going to happen. I think they're just going to end up, you know, finding a new Robert Downey Jr. to play yeah. Iron Man in the new universe. I don't think they're going to make the next Iron Man movie a black teenage girl. Really? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just want to say, like, as a black lifelong comic fan – I find that in I found that entire trend very you know insulting, basically very right. like token tokenish. Like my identity as a black man is not shouldn't I don't like it when it's used as a way for you to sit, make money basically right. by by doing and making money in an easy way. Like like they just make this person black, make this person a woman, make this person gay, and they get the, a headline from that, and that's kind of it like and they basically ignore all the other comic characters that came before it mm -hmm. that already had that identity that people were already fans of right. and they don't use them and they just kind of try to shove the create these new characters and the thing is like comic books always do this kind of thing like they try to replace batman they try to replace right. superman they, they yeah, the legacy already, characters they've always done this and comic fans know that this stuff never lasts. Mm. So when you make right. a black Captain America, all um, I see you pandering to me, but I follow comics long enough to know that that's not going to last. Like you don't actually care that much. Right. Steve Rogers is going to be Captain America fairly soon. Like we saw this happening. Like pe a lot of people were hurt when they uh, canceled the new version of the crew um, that was written by Tana Hesey Coates, who I just mm -hmm. have to say, is not a very good comic book writer. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. But they canceled it after six issues, and a lot of people were upset. Like, why would you cancel this important, in scare quotes, comic? I'm like, comic books get canceled every day, B. Like, you can't yeah. place your faith in a comic book or a comic company because they are things that are, they, they're not they're not your ally, and they will cancel yeah. a comic book in a heartbeat. They will switch a character in a heartbeat. And I think all this experiment is really just, and it, and the worst part of it is like they're not, they weren't hiring like 
black writers to do this stuff or black right. artists or female writers or gay uh, writers or artists to do this stuff. They were just having the same white guys <laughs> get score yeah, these like, it's like, score like, like Chuck Dixon takes like a month assignment to write like, you know, Latina ant woman. <laughs> In between his Clinton And like cash. you're supposed to feel grateful. Yeah. Right. Well, yes, you know, Marvel. products products are never your friend. In the end, they're never. You can't rely on any. I, I was driving down Fountain yesterday, and I saw like a Nike billboard that said like "Refugees Welcome," and I'm thinking your shoes are built by children. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's the funniest thing I see. I saw this on like a an ice cream place here in LA. Like in the window of the ice cream place, there's a sign that says like. No matter like what your ethnicity, like if you're a refugee, like you are welcome here, like in the ice cream place. And I'm like, there's like homeless people here. You know what I mean? Like if you like want to, and also like the idea that anyone would ever take up like an ice cream shop on like, like that a refugee would come and be like, thank you so much. Like, where can I set up? Like, I just need a little time <laughs> to like get on my feet. Like I'll stay in the back of the ice cream shop for now. Like I think what they're saying is they're like, if you're a refugee and you've got money for ice cream, like you're better be fucking sure that we're going to take that money and serve it to you. I think that's a great idea. Actually. I think we should take up every vintage clothing store, every bougie $7 <laughs> scoop ice cream shop, any sign that says refugees. Welcome. We just take the refugees and we just, all right, rent free, move on I'm gonna, in. I'm going to start a charity. Yeah. That, uh, that brings refugees into the country and places them at places that have uh, signs in the window saying that refugees are welcome. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Struggle Session. Uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. If you'd like to shoot us an email, hit us up at thestrugglesession at gmail.com. We are at strugglesession.us. If you'd like to check out our Tumblr, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, not me, but us in general, check out at Struggle Sesh, S-E-S-H. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.